The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are here to talk about cold calling frameworks that lead to winning conversations. Now, we have an incredible layout for you. We're going to be breaking things down. It's going to be easy to understand. I'm very excited to do it. And as always, I'd love to know where are you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat. I love to see some of these. It is great. I already see Daniel from Iowa. Welcome. We have Gustavo here from New York. Welcome, Gustavo. It's great to have you here. And Julie from Austin. Welcome, Julie. Great to have you all here. And let's get on with it. Now, we have a very special guest here today. We have Sarah Brazier. She's a mid-market account executive over at Gong and a cold calling extraordinaire. (laughs) Now, Sarah, when it comes to cold calling, I think confidence is a big factor. What would you recommend reps do to increase their confidence on cold calls? Yeah, that's easy. Um, Everybody's nervous about making cold calls. Most people hate it. So if you know that and understand that about yourself, that automatically will drop, drop your heart rate down a little bit. It is okay to not like cold calls. But also the other thing about cold calls is 90% of the time people don't pick up. So what what really what really is the worst thing that could possibly happen? Most cold calls end up with someone either picking up the phone and you have a conversation or you don't. And the worst case scenario is they opt out of the call. They say no. So when you can go, okay, someone saying no to me is not the end of the world. I say no to people all the time. That will definitely help you get calm and feel a little more confident. There's a couple other things you can do. I am an actor and um, what the body does is what we learn is the emotion will follow. So if you stand up, you smile, you put your hands on your hips and stand akimbo, you will start feeling more confident because that is a very confident pose. So if you put your body in the physical aspect of an emotion, then the, the feeling will follow. And then finally, make sure that you're smiling because your customers can hear you smiling through the phone. And um, you want to sound like someone who's friendly, like they want to get a beer with or a coffee, um, someone that they wouldn't mind spending a couple minutes on the phone with. So slow down to the smile. Slow down, smile. Don't stress it. Cold calls, 90% of people, like you said, don't pick up. So you, the next one will come and it could be a winner. So just keep dialing. Love that. Now, before we begin, if you guys are looking to level up in 2023 we are here to help you with our daily sales show and our membership with instant access to resources and trainings the membership is designed for individuals and full teams so check us out at sellbetter.xyz or scan this qr code below and you'll see what we're all about now we wouldn't be able to do this without our partners so special shout out to owler gong vidyard and apollo.io and of course, we have our drop of the day. Guys, you never want to go cold and you won't be when you have Owler Max. Whether it's a first touch email or a second call, arm yourself with the data-driven insights to make this tasteful and lasting impression. With Owler Max by your side, you can go and get every type of customer engagement and feel prepared and confident. So be sure to check it out. I'm going to drop the link in the chat and see what it is all about. So what are we covering today? But before I get into that, I want to know, who is in the room? Do we have SCRs? Do we have AEs? Maybe some frontline managers or senior leadership? Let us know because it helps gauge the questions that we will be asking. And Sarah has a phenomenal cold calling framework. So if SDRs are in the room, I'm going to be asking SDR questions 
and frontline managers, maybe how you can prepare your teams with this cold call framework. So be sure to fill out this question for us. So we're going to be covering Sarah's in-depth and lucrative cold calling framework, along with tactics to overcome the most common objections. They come, how can you do it? How can you get over that hump? And lastly, how can you move the conversation forward, past all objections and towards that final goal? Now, Sarah, I'm already seeing that we have a ton of SDRs and AEs in the room. Does this surprise you at all? No, it doesn't. And that's great. And I think SDRs are making a ton of cold calls, but AEs are too. Every AE needs to fill their funnel. So <clears throat> hopefully this will be helpful. And uh, a lot of these tactics apply to like discovery calls as well, because they're, <laughs> they're not that different, I think. They are, but they're not. <laughs> they are, but they aren't. Exactly. <laughs> now, one of the biggest things with cold calling is actually having a framework to follow. And because of that, you can actually hit the ground running. Now, I know you have an incredible four-step cold calling framework that we're going to get into depth for. But from what I understand, this can be broken down into four parts. What exactly are these four parts? Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about the salutation, how you say hi to your customer, um, acknowledgement and doing a micro upfront contract uh, to get someone to actually stay on the phone with you. And then um, getting their attention and affirming that you are on the same level as your prospect equal business stature. And then finally getting into asking to pitch and making sure that you can pitch uh, to your customer and that they're they're cool with it. <laughs> right. Now, let's go a layer deeper with this. Um, do you mind breaking each of these down? I know you wanted to share your screen because you can actually share these like a whiteboard. So I'm very excited to do this. Um, and let's get this breakdown going. Yeah, let's go. Okay, great. So um, can you guys see my screen? It's very beautiful. It says the part where you start. All set. Okay, fantastic. So um, before we get into this, uh, I just wanted to call out that that Owler pitch. It's really... Um, it's really important to be well-researched and know what you're talking about on these calls. And there are probably two ways that you can go about researching things. So if you're doing like an ABM approach or account-based approach, um, probably what you want to do is go to a place like Owler or Seeking Alpha or you name it and do some research on the accounts that you're calling into because these accounts, you probably have like you know, five accounts that you're prospecting in a given day and you're calling on, you know, dozens, maybe, you know, hundreds of people within that account, depending on how large it is. You're prospecting into Google. There's a lot of people you could talk to. The other way that you might be a prospecting is like a volume approach, right? So you've got to make 200 dials a day. There's a bunch of small businesses that you're reaching out to, in which case you want to do things like use Google to look up industry news. And you want to batch your accounts based off of industry um, and then do some research on what's, what is everything that is happening in the technology sector? What are some key things that might be coming up that are relevant to the problems I solve? So everybody everybody has been on, on tenterhooks thinking about um, uh, SVB and the closure that happened. Other banks are closing. The economy is not great. That's going to be relevant to a lot of different people in lots of different ways. So what kind of questions can you start asking your prod prospects and start thinking about the ways that you can frame a conversation around really relevant news? Everyone talks about providing value, but I will tell you, it does not matter how valuable you think you are unless you are relevant. So that is a, a framework that we want to make sure we are focused on as we get into this. 
Okay. Now that we've talked about research just a little bit, let us go into the part where you start. So the salutation, how do you greet someone? In the first 10 seconds of a phone call, someone is going to be asking themselves the question, who is this and what do they want? Even when my mom calls me and I see on caller ID, I'm like, I know who it is, but I'm still like, what does she want? And so you want to try to answer these questions as quickly as possible and in a way that intrigues the customer and gets them to want to talk to you. So um, I always like using my prospect's first name. So if I'm calling up Carl, it's, hey, Carl. And I'm not going to ask, is this Carl? Because I, I want to make sure that, sure that I sound confident. So, hey, Carl. Then I say, this is Sarah Brazier. I use my full name because when you use your full name, it triggers something in your brain, in your prospect's brain that makes them think that you are important. And we listen to important people. Great. And then finally, if you are using a technology like Gong, um, if you're using outreach or sales, often recording your calls, the vast majority of the time, you need to let people know that you're recording them. So say you're recording your call. And then for me, I like to use the phrase, have you been? Gong ran a study and we found that how have you been has the longest talk time after it with a customer. I like doing this because it validates that my prospect is a human and I care about them over the fact that I care about being able to get my pitch in or selling them a product. Some people don't like this. Some people go, oh, you're tricking your customer because by the fact that you've use the have. It sounds like you're familiar with them and they know you. Maybe, yeah, maybe no. If I was walking up to somebody at a bar <laughs> and I wanted to buy them a drink, like I'm not going to immediately go into pitching them why they should should date me um, or you know why they should give me their number. I'm probably going to say, how's it going tonight? Have you been? What's going on? And then from there, try to start a conversation. And I think the same thing follows with, with our, our prospects and customers. So I'll pause here before I move on to the next part. Does anyone have any questions about salutations? If you want to throw in the chat the favorite way you you, you open up a cold call, feel free. Um, but I think this is this is what's worked for me. Yes, this is great. I love to see it. Now, everyone, we will be doing things a little bit differently for this show. If you have questions, throw them in the chat. We will be answering as we go because we're going to have a whole breakdown for you. So if you have a question, throw it in the chat. We're going to make sure to get to it right away. So when it comes to the salutations, Sarah, is your tone a big portion of it, especially when you like first introduce yourself? How should you come across? Yeah, I think um, be yourself, like be the person you want to be. Or if you uh, are a terrible person and you don't like who you are, then try to sound like somebody that um, your prospect would want to get a beer with or that you would want to get a beer with. Or if you don't drink, you know, a coffee, a tea, you know, you'd sit down and you want to hang out with this person because they seem cool. And so my tone is kind of like it is right now. I am either standing up or I'm sitting down, but I have my arms up here and I'm trying to feel relaxed and I smile and it, it kind of just sounds like, hey, Adrian, this is Sarah Brasher calling from Gong. Have you been? And that's it. It's just, I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm relaxed. Okay. Yeah. How have I been? I've been all right. I'm all right, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just making cold calls. Continuing <laughs> <laughs> the conversation from there. Fantastic. Now, I want to know from our audience, do you guys use a cold calling framework? We have a question here for you all. Is this something you utilize for the future, presently? Let me know. Would love to see it. I know when I first began, I had no framework. You know, I just had a rough script and my sales leaders were like, go for it. 
you got this <laughs> and it definitely amplified the nerves and i wish i had a framework to go by now i'm already seeing here that we have some people in the chat asking candace says do you follow up with acknowledgement that they don't know who you are what do you think about that sir yeah i mean that comes to the next part so um <laughs> i do an acknowledgement and a micro upfront <laughs> so um they usually say something like i'm fine who are you again and then i reiterate Yep, it's Sarah Brazier calling from Gong. And then I do something that some people love, some people hate. I think it's take it or leave it. The reason why I started using this micro upfront contract, or what I think of as like, it's a permission-based opener. It's a way to get someone to opt into the call. The reason I started doing it is when COVID hit and the world was on fire, I was at SDR and... um I still had a prospect. I had him, you know, make dials still the day after in California, everything shut down and nobody was leaving their houses. And there was like, you know, a run on every single grocery store. And what I found was the way that I used to go into my cold calls, I'd say, hey, it's Sarah Brazier calling from Gong. The reason for my call is blah. And I would go straight into the reason for my call and everybody was hanging up on me. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I was actually listening to other SDRs make cold calls at Gong. And there's a guy named Emmett Abdian, and he's a fantastic account executive now, but at the time he was an SDR. And he would say something similar to what this is. I tweaked it for myself. And I think everything in this framework, you all should be tweaking to fit you, your personality, your customers, how you like to have conversations. But I tweaked it where I would acknowledge the fact that this is a cold call. And then I tell them, how much time I would be spending with them on the phone. And you can either do this through using something like, can I have 27 seconds? I don't do this anymore, but it was very popular for a while. I don't do it anymore because it's gotten so popular. But I give them an option that they can either hang up on me or continue the conversation. And there's a bunch of different ways you can do this. You can rephrase this in a, in a million different ways. But I reiterate, Sarah Brazier with Gong, I know that you don't like a cold call, so I'm going to be super brief. Can I tell you why I'm calling? And then you get to decide if you hang up on me or continue the conversation. I'd say like 9.8 times out of 10, like more than nine, <laughs> not not every single 10 times, but they, they let me keep talking. They say, yeah, go ahead. Tell me why you're calling. Obviously, I call on sales leaders. Um, so they're, they're usually more likely to let me stay on the phone. But I posted about this before, and a lot of people who have implemented this into their framework told me that it's a game changer. Like they've been able to keep people on the phone longer. And I think that the reason why it works is because you're letting your customer have autonomy. And now I'm like, how do I spell autonomy? But I want them to feel autonomous. I want them to feel like they have the power. Um, in cold calling, we don't want to lose power in the conversation because we want to direct it, but we want to be gently directing it. And so when you do something like this, when you give them the option to keep talking, you still get to say the next thing. All they have to do is say, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then you can tell them. And if they say no, usually the reason they say no is like, oh, no, I don't have time right now. I'm walking into a meeting. In which case you objection handled by restating the same question a little bit differently. You say, hey, Adrian, I totally get you're walking into a meeting. Would it make sense for me to tell you why I'm calling? And then you can tell me if it makes sense to even call you back, follow up with an email, you know, schedule time for us to continue the conversation. That has worked really, really well for me. 
because um, then they let me continue to pitch. And then they ended up talking to me for five minutes because that meeting they were walking into, it didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So it was all just a micro objection, very surface layer, and you were able to get over it very quickly by restating the question just a different way. I love your disarm approach here. I think it is going to be extremely effective. I'm already seeing people in the chat saying that they've used this before and it has been one of the best things that they've adopted into their cold calling. So this is great to see you guys. Make sure you take some notes, rewatch this show because it is going to be extremely valuable. Now I'm seeing David here ask, do you ever vary your approach or language based on the, or, an, or opening script based on the region or industry you're calling? This first chuck, no, because it's it's like verbatim the same. It's, have you been? I'm fine. What's going on with you? Obviously, I respond to them like a human. So if they don't say, who are you again? I'm not like, oh, by the way, this is Sarah. They go, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. What's going on with you? And I might say, yeah, I'm just hanging out, making cold calls. By the way, this is one of those. So, um, <laughs> and I just, you know, I just respond to them like any human being would. But at the end of that, whatever that back and forth is, I'm still going to ask if I can share with them the reason for my call. Let's see. Um, then uh, when we get to this next part, yes, based off of the industry, the persona, um, the company, I'm definitely going to say different things. So I think there's two ways that you can approach this. Um, the point of this, I think, is you want to affirm that you're an expert. You want someone to think that not that you're, you know, some kid who just graduated from college and has no idea what you're talking about. Because even if you did just graduate from college, you do know what you're talking about. You literally talk to people in this role every single day, day in and day out. You research them. You listen to your their calls. You have tons of conversations. If you're like me, you're talking to more CROs on a daily basis than the CRO that's sitting across from you, right? So you're not living in a bubble. You live in their world all the time. And you've probably gained a lot of insights. So you want to make sure that you show them that you have equal business stature, um, which is a term from Sandler, but it basically means we're the same. Um, cool. So I will do this one of two ways. The first is if I've done research up front, and then usually I do, I have my tier one accounts that I'm calling on, and I want to make sure that I'm reaching out with something really relevant. So again, I'll go to Seeking Alpha. I'll listen to their quarterly earnings report. I'll listen to all of it. I go through the transcript and I do a quick quick command find for the word revenue because I'm selling to revenue leaders. And I find out how the CEO, CFO was talking about new sources of revenue, how the revenue streams are performing, where they're falling short. And I'll pull up a couple quotes and I'll say, hey, I noticed that you had a recent quarterly earnings report your, your CEO shared that you're going to market with two new products and they're going to make up 20% of the revenue this year, or that is the forecasted goal. And then I might say, I, I saw that you are leading North American sales and you specifically have a focus on product A, and then I'll ask a question. Now, I could do something simple like say, I'll pause there. Have you ever heard of Gong before? That's really easy. That does turn the conversation to me and Gong. Mm -hmm. I could ask something like, hey, do you, do you, how are you going to make sure that that product that you are so focused on selling is being talked about the right way in the field? Because that's a problem that Gong can help solve. So you could also add some kind of question about how are you doing X, Y, or Z based off of the research? 
Or you could say something like, I could hazard a guess, and I imagine you are very concerned about making sure you reach that 20% of revenue goal with this new product. Am I right there? Am I, is that a priority for you? And they'll either say yes or no. And if they say no, oh, my bad. So what is top of mind? And then I can pivot the conversation and kind of find out what their priorities are. Or they say yes, and then I can ask them some more follow-up questions. The idea here is I just want to gather some information and make sure that like I'm, I've got my finger on the pulse. Because I think that cold calls are about starvations. And the first thing you need to do when you're starting a conversation is confirm that there's pain. So if you go back to the analogy of like trying to trying to meet someone at a bar, if you walk up to someone, like if they have a wedding ring on, <laughs> if they're married, they're probably not available. So you might want to move on to the next. If you are selling Advil, you want to find people who suffer from migraines or currently have a headache or have a fever right now. If you're walking to someone who's like, the the peak of health never forget sick ever they don't need your they don't need your advil um or you ask them not about headaches but you ask them about hey you work out a lot do you ever do you ever get like sore for working out great that's something that i can then a pain that i can sell to so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to like figure out how we should structure our pitch um before you know we go right into all the problems and pains that we solve I see. The other thing that you can do is if you're doing not an account-based approach, you don't have time to research these, all these people, is you can just pull up some industry statistics that would be relevant to someone in their role. So this stat that I have, about 53% of deals reps commit to closing and their forecasts never actually close. Um, and then the question about if you were to open up your CRM today and at the drop of the hat, you know, say which deals are real, which aren't, do you feel confident in, in your ability to do that? Um, this is a little more aggressive, right? Um, so you want to make sure that you're calling on people who would respond to this well. And that's also where like tone comes into play and smiling and sounding casual and chill. Because you can say really, really tough questions in a nice way and people will be like, oh, that's fine. And you can say tough questions in a kind of grouchy shark way. And people will be like, go away. I don't know you. <laughs> um, but if you are calling out a bunch of people all from the same industry, again, like if you use the SVB uh, example um, and you have a really good question, you can call 50 people all using this talk track, right? But the idea is you just want to say something that will start a conversation, get them thinking. Fantastic. Now, I love this. Really getting their attention is one of the most powerful ways of just hooking them on the call immediately to keep it going forward. And I'm actually seeing here from our question that we asked earlier that about 80, 60% of people use a framework and 40% do not. Now, for that 40%, how do you recommend they construct one? Should they lay it out on a step-by-step -step basis and then kind of jot out how they're going to go about their cold call? Or should they, you know, how should they establish this, I guess, is the question. Yeah. So the reason why I started using a cold call framework is... Before I worked at Gong, I was an SDR at a different company. And I spent nine months making calls and just completely fumbling all of them. And I literally, I said to multiple people, I said to my manager, I said to AEs who had once been SDRs at the company, I said, I wish there was like some kind of like tree that was like, if they say this, then say that. If this happens, then say this. I just wish there was some kind of like logic map that could help me figure out how to navigate these conversations because sometimes they say something and it's not until I get off, off the phone that I actually know what the response should be. Mm. 
because I was nervous and um, it's difficult trying to come up with these questions. So that's why, that's why I started using a framework. If you're not using a framework today, but you're successful on the phone, I bet you money that there is some kind of framework that you're using and you're just unconsciously competent. So if you sat down and you listened to a bunch of your calls, you could go through and go, every time I get on the phone, I say something like this, something in this like salutation bucket. And every time I get on the phone, I do some kind of consent-based approach to continuing the conversation. And you could probably break it down and then you can tweak that. Um, but if you're new to cold calling or you don't feel really good about it, having some kind of framework, and it's a framework, it's not like a verbatim, this script you must use every single time. This becomes really, really helpful and it builds up that confidence. And you know, like we were talking about earlier for people who aren't confident making cold calls, like getting this in, getting like repeating the, this framework will make you feel really good on the phone. And then you don't, then you don't have to lean on it anymore. You kind of can be cautiously competent and navigate, navigate the conversations um, to the best of your ability. Now, I think there, there needs to be some sort of differentiation here. What is the difference between a script and a framework? Yeah, a script is like, um, it's literally a script. Like when you're in a play, if you do professional theater, you're given a script that somebody else wrote and you have to say all of those words verbatim mm -hmm. or you could have a lawsuit on your hands, right? That, that's how it works in professional theater. If you're doing a show at, by Tennessee Williams, you can't mess up the words. You have to say them totally accurately. And there's literally somebody sitting in in the back of the room following along. And after after rehearsal, they'll tell you, hey, you said A instead of the, you got to make sure you fix that for the show. Mm. And that's happened to me. Like I use the wrong adjective. <laughs> <laughs> um, and someone's been like, you got to make sure you get that line right. And then you drill it into your brain. That's a script, right? And so if you work in customer support or if you work in like very um, fast, short sales cycles, one call closes, one to three call closes, You'll probably be given a script and they want you to be super compliant toward it and only say the words that are written on the script with very little to no variation. A framework has much more flexibility. A framework is like improv. If you go to an improv show, all those people, they, they, they seem to be seamlessly coming up with these things on the spot, but actually there's a really clear framework for how you start an improv show, how the game is played and how you end it and where to end it. And so all these people know the rules of the game and they can be creative within that framework, within that space and say funny things, but they also know when to end the bit, when to move on, when to start a new bit, et cetera. So that's the idea. I, I hope that makes sense. I'm just bringing in theater metaphors because, you know. <laughs> it does make sense. It makes complete sense. So we got this attention grabbing device, right? And now they're a little bit hooked. How do you move forward with the conversation? Yeah. I think I think you just you just asked to pitch. So I I turned my page. I don't know if it's showing up. Oh, there we go. Great. So you asked to pitch. So you if someone says you know they they tell you whatever information you can ask them a couple questions. Sometimes what I do is once I've got enough information, I go well. The reason I ask that is because um, Gong helps with X Y or Z thing. Or the reason I ask that is because I've actually been talking to a lot of other sales leaders in your space who are having a really hard time getting new products to resonate with customers. And the problem behind why that's happening, the root cause is because they don't have visibility into what their reps are doing in the field. Would you be interested in learning how we can help give you that visibility, right? I didn't even say Gong's name in that. 
but you, you can you can say like the reason I'm asking, or you could do something really simple and just say, would it make sense to take 30 more seconds and I can give you the high level and then you can tell me if it's a if it's a conversation worth having. The reason why I think this part is helpful is depending on like your level level of expertise and how much you've been making cold calls, sometimes it's easier to just go, have you heard of Gong before? And they go, no. You go, okay, well, would it make sense for me to give you the high level pitch? If you're not very comfortable like navigating through this longer conversation. If you are navigate like comfortable navigating through a longer conversation where, you know, you say, hey, like if you look at your forecast right now, how confident would you be in those in in which deals are in commit actually coming through? Probably gonna say, you know, I'm about I'm I'm fairly comfortable or I'm I'm a little bit hesitant. Got it. That makes sense. The reason I'm asking is that we hear a lot that it's really difficult for sales leaders to distinguish the reality of their pipeline. Would it make sense for me to tell you a little bit more about that? But I just I just like asking to pitch um, because I told them I would only take a couple seconds of their time. I told them I would be brief. And so this again gets them to give me some kind of like verbal nod um, that allows us to continue the conversation and gives me a chance at, at sharing more. I see. Now, I'm already seeing Nathaniel here in the chat is asking, how do you decide to do that instead of ask them for more information about the problem to give them a chance to inform how you are going to pitch them? So I think Nathaniel's question is really, when do you know it's time to pitch for sure or ask more questions to get a deeper layer understanding of what their problem is? Yeah. So I think you, you came in with a hypothesis of the problems that they have. And they, they'll either go, yeah, I do have that problem. And you can say, can you tell me more about that? And they will. And then you say, the reason I'm asking is because, um, or they're going to say, actually, no, that's not much of a problem. And you say, okay, well, what is top of mind? And you just get a con some, some idea around like how big the pain is and how big the problem is. And then um, once you've got a little bit of information that, that you can supply to your account executive, that then you can hook yourself into to, to provide some relevant value then you can say the reason why I'm asking. Sometimes you can keep the conversation going for a while. The, the challenge is that you don't want to spend a ton of time because eventually what they're going to do is they're going to turn the conversation around and say, well, well, what, what do you do with that? Like, how do you help with that? And you say, that's great. And then you can give them the high level pitch. And then you say, it sounds like you're kind of interested. Should we book more time? Um, but Sometimes they're super clammy and they don't want to talk to you and they're giving you like one word answers, in which case you can you can go straight into the pitch and say, well, maybe it would make sense for me to give you a little more context around exactly how we help people in your space. And then you can give your high level pitch, which I'll show you a, a framework for that in a second. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Greg, Greg said, wouldn't asking what is top of mind lead to irrelevant information? Not necessarily. I mean, Greg, we want to book meetings with people who who can buy. And I think the stat is like only 3% of the market is act actively looking for a solution and only 10% is like open to looking for a solution. So you have a very small percentage of your book of accounts that actually probably is going to buy, or you have a very small percentage of your TAM that is ready to, to make a purchase. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite following what you're saying in the, in the chat to follow up with, but... But I think, but you usually kind of structure like why you're calling. You know, the reason why I'm calling is I did this research on this thing. Is that accurate? Yes or no? If they have something else that's top of mind for them, you can say, okay, well, we don't really help with that. The areas that we do help are X, Y, and Z. Are any of those coming up for you? Um, 
But I think that like if someone doesn't have a problem, that don't try to book a meeting with them. <laughs> hey, great, I'll call you back in six months. <laughs> On to the next. Um, cool. I've seen that we have a bit of time here, um, about three minutes, and I, I want to know more about this pitch. Um, how can you actually break down the pitch into a high-level conversation? Yeah, so my thoughts around pitching is most of the time when people pitch, they go in and they say, we're all we're a revenue intelligence platform. We have AI, machine learning, we ingest your data, and we and that starts all with with you as the as the star of the show. We all have heard the concept of the hero's journey. And if you haven't, um, look it up. You probably learned it in middle school and then maybe high school and you learned it in a bunch of places. But hero's journey. So that's the idea that the prospect is the hero, they're Harry Potter, and you're just going to be Dumbledore and kind of help guide them to the next thing. So I start with describing the status quo of the customer and get them to opt into this is my world. So I start with something like, you know, typically I talk to CROs and the way they go about making decisions are twofold. They pull their managers or directors into a room and they ask, for what's the temperature? What's going out in the field? Or what they do is they, you know, use their CRM, run some reports and try to find out what's going on. But essentially they're piecing together information based off of what their leaders are telling them and what data they can get out of their CRM. And then once I've described the status quo, I confirm that that's the prospect's reality. So you could do this with, you know, your security company. A lot of times people are, you know, doing their security in X, Y, and Z way and um, that's how they're approaching it. Is is that what you guys are doing today? Or, you know, you could do it with anything. How how you, you know, source, you know, uh, uh, how you source potential employees. Any of these things, you can just describe the status quo that most people are experiencing and then ask them if that's accurate. This is also an opportunity for discover if, discovery if you want to. Does that sound about accurate? Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Sure, you can ask that question. Or you can just go straight into challenging the status quo. You're right, Carl. That That is how most people do things. The thing that we found when we talked to CROs like you is that it's really, really challenging to make sense of any of that information because according to Salesforce, 97% of information on a deal never actually makes it into your CRM. Plus, when you are relying on opinions, you often are focused on the squeakiest wheel in the room. And there might be underlying issues that aren't bubbled up to you until they become massive fires. So then you start just describing the problem that results from the status quo. I'm sure you can think of this, of how this applies to the specific product that you sell today. And then you confirm that that's problematic. Does that ring a bell? Has that ever caused a problem for you? And a lot of times people say, yeah, definitely. This is totally challenging for me. Or they'll say, mm, sometimes, and then you can kind of press that or lean into that sometimes. When it has happened, like, what, what's been the result? But um, if you're really good at describing the problem, they're, they're going to say, yeah, that happened to me. And then you, say, then you can provide some kind of solution around here. So I've described the status quo. They've confirmed that that's their world. I've described how it's problematic. They go, yeah, that is kind of troublesome for me. And then I explain how how my solution is going to help them and be different. So what we're doing is we're we're solving that problem for you by getting into the reality of your conversations. So you're not running around from meeting to meeting trying to put a puzzle together. 
Instead, you've got all the data points laid bare in front of you. And from that, you can start making decisions based off of what is accurate, what is real, and what is timely. And then I could talk about all of the benefits afterward. Um, and then I say, like, does that sound like something you'd be interested in learning more about? Most of the time they say yes. Some of the times this is like where some objections might come up. They might ask some questions. If people start asking you a lot of questions, you go, hey, I know I said I'd be brief. I know you're walking into a meeting. It sounds like you're kind of interested. I think having a conversation with my account executive where we can dig into these questions would be really beneficial. How does next Tuesday sound? Um, but usually they'll say, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And then you can kind of objection handle from there. Love that. That is extremely powerful. Thanks. We like blasted through the structure of a pitch. I think I think it's like really intuitive and it's a really um, just like when I think about what would be relevant to me and how I would how I would want to receive that. It's I want to start, you know, imagining and step into the shoes of of, you know, what is whatever is going on in my world versus, you know, someone ex explaining their technology to me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Now, we actually have a slide here that I think will be extremely useful to our audience. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here. Uh, this is the pitch framework laid out for you all. So go ahead, take a screenshot of this. I think it'll be very useful. Um, and as Sarah broke it down, so be sure to rewatch this show so you can actually get an in-depth analysis of how to go about your pitching. Now, one of the biggest parts of cold calling, we can do all of these things right. But what's going to come at you are those objections because they do arise. So I want to know from our audience, what is the most common cold calling objection that you are having? Is it not interested? Is it pricing? Is it maybe I'm not even the decision maker or something else completely differently that you can go ahead and throw in the chat? So I want to know that we do have a kind of framework here that we could also use towards objections. We talked about this in the pre-call. Can you break this down, Sarah? Do you want to be empathetic? You want to be curious, but how can you do these things correctly? Yeah. So a lot of times when you get an objection, um, if you're like me and you're a little bit Irish and like a tad redheaded, you want to like fight them. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> as salespeople, we have to resist the urge. So um, the response should be like, yeah, that is hard. Or yeah, that is a good question. Or just be empathetic in some kind of way. Um, so you can mirror them. Um, you can, you know, change your tone. You can repeat what they said. That's mirroring, but totally get it. Totally get that you don't have budget right now. And then be curious. Um, so that's just asking a question. So I, I totally get that you don't have budget right now. In fact, most sales leaders that I'm talking to right now with the economy and how it is, uh, a, a lot of companies are tightening their purse strings. Uh, my, my question though is, you know, I'm not trying to sell you anything right now. I am curious, like, would it be helpful to learn just a little bit of some of the problems that we're seeing come up for CROs like you? And then, you know, worst case scenario is um, we continue the com we continue the conversation when timing is right and budget opens up and, and um, or like best case scenario is that worst case scenario is that, hey, this isn't a fit, but at least you learn something new, um, something like that. So just be empathetic, be curious and then give them an opt out. So do you want to do, you know, you want to have a meeting, you want to have a conversation. Worst case scenario is you learn something new and you walk away more educated. Best case scenario is we find out that this is a fit and then we can kind of map out like what the timeline is when budget opens up. So that's typically like the framework for overcoming objections. All right. 
Now I'm seeing our audience here actually answered this and they're saying that the biggest objection they're getting is I'm not interested, right? And followed by I'm not the decision maker. And lastly, pricing arises at points in the cold call. Now, also in the chat, we also see we're all set on tooling and a lot of people are getting the objection of, well, I just, we're fine. We're doing pretty good ourselves. Why do we need your product? What would you tell these people when they encounter this objection? How can they handle this? Yeah, that's why that's why research is so important. Research and relevancy. Because, you know, if they say we're all set on tooling, oh, got it. Well, one, number one, you can ask, like, what are you using right now to fill in the blank? Oh, got it. Well, I read in your quarterly earnings report you're rolling out that new product. I'm curious, what are you using to understand how reps are pitching that product in the field? And what pitch is the most successful? Oh, we're using insert competitor. Great. Now I can lean on my competitive differentiation or um, I'm not sure. Oh, got it. And then you can dig into it. So um, a lot of times people say we're all set, but they're just saying that to get you off the phone. We had a different slide and I don't know if we have time for it, but there's basically there's shallow objections and there's deep objections. Shallow objection is things that people say to get you off the phone. And that means that you haven't been relevant enough and that you haven't intrigued them with something that might be a problem that you can help solve. Like humor is a great way to get through some of that. I'm not interested. <laughs> I mean, who would be interested when I called you out of the blue? Would it make sense for me to tell you a little bit about some of the challenges that we're seeing from CROs like yourself? And then you can tell me if this is something that could potentially be interesting or you can hang up on me. Great. Like just kind of like let it roll off your shoulders like water on a duck's back. Um, humor is a great way to deal with that, but also just like asking some questions and and having a couple like landmines that you can go to. So think about specifically based off of the research you've done, uh, what are some questions that you could ask your prospect that will get them to think twice after they say, I'm not interested because probably they are interested. They just don't know that that you have anything interesting to say. Amazing. Now, I always love to ask, Tara, where can the people find you? LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn? All right. LinkedIn. So. <laughs> my name is Sarah Brazier. You can find me on LinkedIn. I think, I don't know what my LinkedIn handle is. I think it's SJ Brazier because my middle name is Joy. Love it. Unbacked. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much, Sarah. We've got so much value. And thank you so much to our audience for being so engaged in the chat. Be sure to follow Sarah. We dropped the link here in the chat as well. Check her out. She drops incredible content consistently. And just to give a quick recap, be sure to use this four-step cold calling framework. You want to have that salutation, that acknowledgement, which creates an upfront contract. And lastly, the attention getting device so you can hook them and you ask for the pitch and use the framework that we gave you today. Now, thank you all for attending. And of course, we will catch you all on the next one. See you later. See you later.